what does it mean to be consistent? Where am I not being consistent? And where am I being maybe a little lazy, a little complacent, cutting corners on those fundamental basic things that you know get you the best results? And whether it's complacency or it's even like trying to get too fancy because it feels cool, it just doesn't serve you. It's not going to get you the best results. And sometimes overcomplicating things is just as bad as doing them poorly or not doing them enough. Welcome to Make Bank with Marie Wold. I'm Marie, and for the last decade, I've been helping women set and hit unrealistic goals while building their definition of a rich life. This podcast is your ultimate destination for unfiltered discussions about personal development, entrepreneurship, wellness, confidence, wealth building, relationships, and so much more. We're creating our dream lives together, and I'm so glad you're here. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Make Bank. I am really excited to bring you this solo episode. I do apologize. I'm a little sick and sound a little sick still. I've been sick for a couple weeks and I just can't keep waiting to not sound sick (laughs) to record this episode. So we're doing it and we're doing it messy and it's going to be great. So this episode is inspired by me turning 28 years old this week. My birthday is January 3rd. Hello, I am an Aquarius and happy birthday to all my fellow January babies. Um, And I think that when it comes to my birthday, I often feel like that's when my new year actually starts. Like January 1st through January 22nd is just like, the the warm-up like that's just me getting back into the groove post holidays and usually the last like three years in a row I've been sick and so historically the trend has been that my new year really starts January 23rd and I think it's pretty common for people to treat their birthday as a new chapter right it is a new year. It's a time for reflection. It's a time for goal setting. It's time for looking back and looking ahead and really ideally extracting what the lessons are, what you want to leave behind, what you want to take with you moving forward. It's just a very like introspective time for a lot of people, I think, but definitely for me. And so for this episode, I wanted to share 10 of my biggest lessons in life and business from the past year. I love hearing people's lessons and people's takeaways and their anecdotes to kind of explain them. I think there is so much wisdom to be shared and so much wisdom to be found in other people's stories and this is going to be a healthy mix of kind of business lessons and life lessons that I think could really resonate with you. So let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to start with the first lesson which is anchoring in on the bigger vision and having a clear why is everything and similar to a lot of these I kind of learned this lesson the hard way. The past year was kind of a weird season for me where I was kind of in a holding pattern of figuring out what I actually wanted next and this is a really honestly good problem to have it's kind of unsettling but I had gotten to this point where I had like 
everything I wanted basically. Like I bought my house, I had my dream car, I'm getting married, I'm planning the dream wedding, I have a seven-figure business. Like I I accomplished so many things that were like big goals and on the vision board for so long and things that I'd been working toward for so long and like a lot of things kind of came together around the same time which is epic um but once I kind of was like living in that reality for a while there wasn't anything that really felt super important to me after that in terms of the next level and Honestly, I don't think there's really such a thing as like coasting or maintaining. Like you're kind of either growing or you're dying. And I don't say that to be to be black and white, but more so to just prompt you and like make sure that we're not being complacent because what I found in my holding pattern and in that season of like, okay, I honestly like making more money isn't really going to change my happiness There's nothing that like I could buy myself that's really going to change my quality of life. I have really good friendships. Um, I'm finally feeling like really supported in my business. I, I have all the things and that doesn't mean I've been without struggle and I'll definitely get into that. Um, but there was nothing that was really like pushing me forward in terms of getting to the next level in business or um, just striving to be better and grow both in and out of business. There was nothing that felt important enough to stretch to the next level and like get uncomfortable for. And so I spent kind of a lot of the year in that place where we're growing and we're chugging along, but it's nothing crazy. And um, I was just kind of letting momentum carry us essentially um but then we get towards the end of the year um and Andrew my fiance and I decide that you know what we actually do want to get a different house we live always outside of Austin right now about 45 minutes out of the city and we really want to move closer into the city again we really want to have access to Um, more social things, restaurants, concerts. We want to be closer to our friends. We want to be closer to the airport. We're just over living in the hill country, to be honest. And um, to be honest, we also can now afford to have the type of house that we would want in the city. So we decided towards the end of the year that, you know, we're going to sell our house and we're going to buy a new house in the city, which is going to be likely three to four times the price of the house that we're selling. And I I bought this house three years ago. Um, So now we decide we're buying a house and we're going to buy a much more expensive house. We're going to have much higher mortgage payments. We need to have quite substantial down payment. And I kind of was like kicking myself like, damn, I could have like gone harder in business like I could have pushed myself my team and our projections I could have pushed harder last year through 2022 I could have pushed harder if I knew that I would have wanted an extra like six figures in cash (laughs) to start the year like I I would have pushed harder if I knew that we were gonna buy a house but I didn't know that I didn't have that bigger vision yet and 
my therapist actually reminded me of that. She's like, well, you based your decisions off of what you knew and like where you were. And I'm going to talk more about that in a bit. But it was just such a reminder that having a bigger vision and having a clear why behind your goals and your plans and your intentions really does make all the difference in the world. Because if I had known that we would be house shopping right now and if I had known that I'd be wishing that we had done a little more last year I don't know if I would have made different decisions I'm not actually sure we can't you know hindsight is 2020 but if I would have known that we would have been house shopping maybe I would have navigated things differently and either like allocated funds differently not put as much into like long-term investments and just made kind of different decisions and don't get me wrong we're in a great spot like the fact that we're shopping for a house that's four times the price of the one that we're in now is amazing the fact that we qualify for that and that we're gonna move into the city and we can afford to do that like amazing you know it's all gonna work out it's all gonna be fine but this has just been such a reminder that unless you have like a clear vision and kind of a clear north star for your decisions it's easy to be a little lackadaisical and there are seasons for that there are seasons where other things are priority and maybe that was just my year and maybe I just need to be at peace with other things being the priority because I also worked less than ever I did more horse shows than ever I grew my friendships more than ever like it was such a big year outside of business we're planning a wedding so there's so much that that went well and like I wouldn't sacrifice for the house but perhaps the bigger vision and the house situation would have would have course changed our course a little bit now that we have that in mind we're baking that into the business sales planning and when our launches are falling and how we're allocating investments and the way that we're structuring our tax strategy and things like that so just Yeah, anchoring in, getting clear on what the vision is, what exactly you want goes a long way. And you're going to do the best you can with what you know and where you are. And that's actually lesson number two, that doing the best you can with where you are and what you have has to be enough and that your best will be different each day. So Kind of where that ties into lesson one is that I just have to be at peace with I made the best decisions I could with where I was at and what I knew about what I wanted. Now looking back, would I maybe make different decisions? Possibly, but I did the best that I could with the information that I have. And there were a lot of other situations in the last year where I felt disappointed in myself and the way that things unfolded. Or I was honestly judgy of myself and maybe how productive I was or the way I executed things. But I need to give myself some grace because even through those situations, I can honestly say that I did the best I could with where I was and what I had and how I felt and it is unfair to hold myself to a standard of being at 100% of 100% 
every single day. And what I mean by that is some days your best is a fraction of what you're actually capable of when you're at peak performance. Some days your best is 50% capacity, right? Some days your best is 100% capacity. Some days your best is 10% capacity. Like when I was sick a couple weeks ago and like dying in bed for three days. So doing your best with where you are and what you have, like you have to be okay with that and you have to celebrate and congratulate yourself for doing your best. Even if you know that on a different day, that maybe wouldn't be it. But if you do your best each day with what you have, you can be proud of yourself. And I really had to learn this again the hard way (laughs) over the last year because this past year has been honestly a big struggle with mental health and with burnout and with productivity and not like when I say burnout it's not because I worked a ton. I worked less than ever (laughs) probably last year but because of where my head was at and where my mental health was at that made my workload feel really heavy and just the overwhelm from other areas of my life impacting my mental health and my feelings of demands led me to be burnt out and then I also as I've talked about in a previous episode which we can link in the description is I'm navigating a possible ADHD diagnosis I also have been diagnosed with general anxiety disorder. So I'm also kind of navigating those things. And I had times in the past year that I broke down crying because I felt so unable to show up the way that I wanted to show up, whether that was focusing on the stuff that I needed to do or being who I wanted to be or just navigating again like anxiety navigating ADHD symptoms navigating burnout and this lovely mix of mental health and like neurodivergence and overwhelm and burnout really made me take a step back and be realistic with myself on what is what are fair expectations like what is actually fair to expect from myself on a day where I'm really struggling what is fair to expect from myself on a day where I'm really doing well and that's actually something that I worked with with my therapist on for like months is basically figuring out like what are my processes for a bad day what are my processes for a good day like how do I gauge my expectations how do I make sure that I am being fair to myself and not making it worse by judging or shaming myself and this is also something that I've had conversations with with my team to make sure that on those days where I wasn't doing so hot that the business is still running and they're still moving projects forward and clients are still being supported and really building the business to be there for me instead of me just being like the lifeblood of the business and being a slave to the the business. So it was a big year of embracing (laughs) the highs and the lows and being at peace 
with the fact that my best is going to be different each day and just giving myself grace because I am such like an achiever type. I'm such an Enneagram three where I really tend to base how I'm feeling about my day based on how productive I am or how much I accomplish or what I got done or how I used my time. And that is a very toxic cycle if you're especially someone who is struggling with your mental health or struggling with your productivity or struggling with burnout. So it was a great exercise (laughs) on grace and rest and just evaluating what it is fair to expect from myself day in and day out because it changes every day. And honestly, I think it would be easy for me to just never talk about that. It would be easy for me to act like every day I am unstoppable and I am a machine, hashtag boss babe, girl bossing close to the sun. Like I just am unstoppable, right? Like that would be so easy for me to curate this facade that that is my life and that I'm always in CEO mode but I don't think that would be fair like I don't think that would be fair to my clients where they they have this assumption that their mentor their coach is perfect and that they're expected to live up to that because that's not true I also don't think it's fair to my audience to build up again this expectation that this is what is required. Like perfection is what's required to be successful because it's not. And I also don't think it would be fair to me to build that illusion because then I feel like I can never show up imperfectly. I always have to show up having all my shit together, which is just not true. I'm doing my best and I have incredible knowledge and skills and team and support and strategies and systems. So much is going right for me, but certainly not perfect over here. And it wouldn't be fair to pretend that it is. So that's lesson two. Lesson three is that treating things as experiments allows you to detach from the outcome. I don't know if you've heard this phrase before, detach from the outcome, but it's very popular in like the online business space, the personal development space. Basically means that you should set really big goals and like have a big vision for your life and know what you want but you also can't hold on to it too tightly where you're moving through life and making decisions and taking action from this place of like desperation or needing things to work out exactly the way you think they should and being open to the possibility of a different timeline or things unfolding in a different way or getting something even better than what you imagine. And you have to also in business somewhat detach from the outcome and be neutral about exactly how things unfold because if you're so attached to if this post does well or if we hit the launch goal or if this sales call closes if you're so fixated on the outcome of any one thing then you are subjecting yourself to this massive emotional roller coaster feelings of being like triggered left and right and also just losing sight of the bigger picture like it's just very unhealthy and unproductive honestly to be so attached to individual outcomes of any one thing and something that has really allowed me to implement that and actually feel detached from outcomes is 
thinking of things in my business and my personal life too, but especially in business, treating them as experiments instead of saying, well, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and this has to be the result. That just creates a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation. And most people don't actually perform that well under pressure is what I found coaching hundreds, if not thousands of women is most people actually show up best with like a moderate (laughs) amount of pressure. And so if you keep putting yourselves in these situations and setting goals that feel do or die, it can backfire. Whereas, for example, I have an experiment for this year where I'm doing a four-day work week. So I'm not working on Fridays minus checking in with clients in Slack and Voxer and being available to like some team messages, but that might take me 30 minutes or an hour max on a Friday. So I'm experimenting with a four-day work week and that mindset of this being an experiment feels so much safer and just more exciting compared to how I maybe would have thought about it in the past where I make the four-day work week this like make or break situation. I make it something where it's like, well, what if it doesn't work? And what if because I'm working less days, I can't get as much stuff done and then we make more less money and then my clients aren't happy and blah, 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 blah. And I make it mean all of these things. And I make it like very much a do or die kind of make or break situation. If I treat it as an experiment, that means I'm open to kind of any outcome. I'm open to it working amazing. I'm open to it being challenging and having feedback in terms of like the data or how content performs or how programs sell or things like that. Like I'm open to either result and I'm committed to making it work, but that is within the understanding that we might need to tweak some stuff. We might get some data back that we can't do it the exact way we started. We may need to approach it differently or maybe I need to take a Monday off instead of a Friday or maybe instead of having all of Friday off, I do half days on Mondays and half days on Fridays or whatever. But just treating it as an experiment and treating things as such instead of do or die situations take so much pressure off. So if you're maybe thinking, oh, I want to raise my prices, right? And you're scared to raise your prices. Experiment with it. Experiment with raising your prices for the next two weeks or the next month and track how it goes. And that gives you permission to go back to your old pricing if it doesn't work, right? If it, if it, if you don't get the same conversions as you did before, or if you get a bunch of objections, you can change it back. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck and make decisions way too slowly in life and business is they're looking at these decisions as like written in stone instead of something where it's like, I can try this and I can change my mind and I can go back or I can try it and collect data and collect feedback and then update my approach. And treating things as experiments has just allowed me to move faster and be braver with the decisions that I'm making. So definitely recommend. It's such a small shift that has a really big ripple effect. So give it a try. It's something that I've been talking to my clients about for a few months now, and it's really working well for them too. Okay, hold on. I needed to interrupt this episode quickly because 
I've realized that it doesn't matter how hard you work or even how quote unquote productive you are, how many hours you put in, if you are going hard in the wrong direction, which is why it is so important to be clear and confident about your goals. And that's the exact reason why I've incorporated goal setting into all of my coaching programs. Because if my clients are not clear on their goals, if they don't know where we're going and why we're going there, it doesn't matter what strategies we pull out. It doesn't matter how much planning we do. We have to get clear on what the destination is first. And so I swear by this goal setting visualization, and it is something that previously was only available to my clients. It's a visualization that I lead and I walk you through. And now I've made it available for free for everyone. I swear by it. Even if you're not a visualization girly, I have just converted so many people into loving a good visualization with this exact exercise. So I'm going to leave a link to it in the episode description, or you can head immediately to mariewold.goals. That's M-A-R-I-E-W-O-L-D.com slash goals. Again, it is totally free. It will take you 25 minutes and I've hooked you up with a bonus workbook just to help you reflect and process and really start implementing on all the breakthroughs that you have. So enjoy. Let me know how it goes because I know it's going to be a game changer for you. And let's get back to the episode. Next lesson, lesson four, is that maintaining your mental health is way better than reacting and trying to patch up poor mental health. So kind of going back to what I mentioned before about my mental health struggles this last year, I didn't really commit to like going back to therapy and stuff until I was already approaching a bad place, right? And that's, we all know that that's like not ideal. The ideal thing is that we all stay in therapy or have some sort of mental health support on a regular basis, even if it's only once a month as just like a maintenance thing, right? Like that is ideal. We all know that doing that and moving our bodies and getting sunshine and getting enough sleep and eating healthy, like we all know that those things make us feel better mentally and physically. Yet (laughs) a lot of us will not prioritize those things until we are forced to make them a priority. And in the last year, I was forced to really take control of my mental health. Like I had kind of just been letting it coast along for too long, especially as someone with a history of anxiety. Like I had just been letting myself coast and it wasn't bad enough to really do anything about it until it was pretty bad. So that is your your reminder, my reminder, that we need to stay ahead of these things as much as possible and do things for the sake of maintenance and feeling good instead of fixing it when only when we're feeling bad. And I know that's a no-brainer. I know you already know that, but sometimes we have to learn it the hard way. Sometimes we have to get a glimpse of rock bottom before we really take it seriously. And so I had that, you know, kind of wake up call, like that mental breakdown era, if you will. And I honestly just needed that. I needed to be like humbled a little bit to take my maintenance mode 
more seriously and be more on top of my routines and my boundaries and doing the things that make me feel good for the sake of feeling good because we all deserve that right like we deserve to go through our days feeling good and performing well and feeling safe in our headspace and feeling good in our bodies and feeling confident like we all deserve that but it does require work and you have to stay on top of it and it's like brushing your teeth like just because you brush your teeth yesterday doesn't mean you're off the hook today like you got to do it every day and it has to be an ongoing process and it has to be intentional and it has to be consistent for it to really work and so I was reminded of that that was a lesson that I got to learn a little bit the hard way this past year Piggybacking off of that, that takes me to lesson number five, that momentum is everything. And I've been saying this to my clients for years. I've been saying this to myself this year, but I think a lot of times we learn lessons in layers, right? Like we might learn a lesson at like level one and then six months later, we learn it at level two. And then a year later, we learn it at level three and we keep learning and integrating and embodying lessons on new levels like we unlock a new level um over time so I unlocked a new level of understanding that momentum is everything both in life and in business like I was just saying momentum definitely exists for your mental health where the more you keep it going the easier it is to be in a good place if you allow yourself to hit zero it's much harder to start picking momentum back up. Think about it if you're like driving a car, right? It is the the hardest thing for a car to do is to go from a dead stop to going fast. It's much easier to go from 20 miles an hour to 40 miles an hour versus going zero miles an hour to 20 miles an hour. It is easier to speed up when you're already moving think about it as like an object in motion will stay in motion inertia momentum whatever you want to call it if you can keep moving and if you can keep putting in daily weekly monthly effort it is so much easier to just keep going but if you are constantly dipping in and out of action dipping in and out of commitment dipping in and out of rituals, routines, executing, whatever it may be, you're going to have a really hard time, one, ever seeing results, and two, staying motivated. Because if you are allowing yourself to dip in and out of your business or dip in and out of your mental health or your physical health or your relationship or your personal development, if you are either doing it a lot or doing it not at all, like you're dipping in and out, you're never really gaining traction and you're also wasting a lot of energy on restarting and like getting that initial traction over and over and over again. You're probably going to get frustrated. You're probably going to feel defeated. You're probably not going to see very good results and you're going to wonder why everyone's like lapping you. And it's literally because they have continued to build their momentum and chip away instead of being on again, off again, hot and cold all or nothing basically. And so momentum truly is everything in business, in life. And the more you just keep building the momentum and keep showing up and keep putting in the reps, the easier it gets 
to keep your thing, whatever it is, your business, your life, your relationship, chugging along. If you build momentum and maintain it for long enough, your thing, for example, your business, is a little bit more self-sustaining. Like I, I was talking about this on a recent interview that you'll hear with Sam. She's at Samantha Daily on Instagram. We were talking about how hitting your first six figures in business, like passing your first 100K cash is harder than making the next like 200K or 400K or 500K. Like that first, getting that momentum to cross that first threshold is harder than your next multiple six figures because of the principle of momentum and because of how hard it is to go from zero. So if you're finding yourself seeing poor results or having a hard time getting results anywhere in life, I would look at where am I dipping in and out of execution? Where am I not actually committed to the thing? Where am I not showing up consistently? And where am I losing momentum? And sometimes momentum doesn't require you to like, again, be at 100% every day. Sometimes it's literally just putting in like one rep (laughs) on a day that you're feeling really, really low, just to simply like do your momentum tax essentially. And I used this even when I was a fitness coach back in the day. I, if one of my clients was having a really hard time getting themselves to the gym, I would tell them your minimum commitment today, your minimum expectation is to go to the gym and walk on the treadmill for five minutes because I just wanted them to stay in in the routine and in the habit of physically getting their body into the gym because if they fell completely off the wagon, it was going to get harder and harder for them to get back on. And the longer you wait to get back on, the harder it becomes. So sometimes they would actually just go and get on the treadmill and walk for five minutes and then leave again. And that's okay. They reached the expectation. But a lot of times they would do that. They'd go to the gym, walk for five minutes, and then be like, you know what? I'm actually feeling good. And then they would do more. And then they would actually start their workout and then they'd actually do a full workout and sometimes have a really bomb workout, like a really, really good session. And that is just because they prioritize momentum and that allowed them to stay in the groove and actually sometimes show up really well. But that wouldn't have been possible if they hadn't have just prioritized momentum from the get go. Right. So I want you to look at areas in your life where you are letting momentum die and you are losing momentum on your goals or what makes you feel good because momentum is everything. And that is lesson number five. Lesson number six is for all of my entrepreneurs and it is that entrepreneurship will either crush you or build you up depending on how you respond to challenges. I have said this a million times, but I really believe entrepreneurship is a magnifying glass for personal development, meaning it will magnify and highlight all of the areas where you need to grow or where you are playing small or where you're getting in your own way. It is triggering. It's this giant mirror. It's a giant personal development exercise. And depending on how you respond 
to your triggers and your challenges and your failures and your setbacks, depending on how you respond to those things, that will determine whether it breaks you down or builds you up. And that sounds harsh, but honestly, it is the truth. And I, in the last year, have really been reminded that perspective is everything when it comes to how you look at challenges and failures and setbacks. And if you choose to see the lesson and if you choose to see the opportunity for growth and if you choose to see it as uh, an invitation to develop as a person and have new tools and learn new things and heal in some way, (laughs) then your business will make you stronger and your business will build you up. But if you are constantly letting those things get to you and be negative and mean something bad about you, if you're letting your failures be personal and if you're detaching your worth to your business, you're going to have a really hard time. And there were times in the past year where there were situations with clients or contract violations or people copying me or not hitting projections that we set, or having just disappointments. There are situations that I could have easily spiraled, and there are situations where I even maybe started the spiral and caught myself, but it's so easy to make those things mean something about you and make them mean something negative and be evidence for why you're not cut out for it or why it's not meant to be or why you'll never hit that goal or whatever. But when I choose to look at them as growth and as an experiment (laughs) or as a learning opportunity or as just something neutral where I can extract a lesson and keep moving, that is where I get stronger. That is where I learn more as a CEO, as a leader, as a coach. And that perspective is everything. And without it, resilience is really hard and entrepreneurship truly is a game of resilience. I think that's why a lot of people say it's not for everyone is that there will be challenges and of course there are challenges in any career. There are challenges in reaching any goal for that matter but I think when it's your business and especially if you're like a coach or a service provider where you're working directly with people it feels personal and it can feel personal because you put so much into it and because you are so invested and so connected with your work and the people that hire you and things like that. And so it is really an exercise in extracting the lesson, staying neutral, not taking things personally. And it will either break you down or build you up depending on your response. And there are so many situations that are out of your control so many factors coming into play like oh my god the last few years have we gotten a million reminders of that where there's a lot that we can't control but what we absolutely can control every time is how we respond and so I've really been reminded of that and I've had lots of opportunities to refine my response time my bounce back time and my ability to be like objective through hard stuff. Kind of related to that and related to one of the examples I gave, 
Lesson seven is that caring deeply about your clients is intensely vulnerable. And any type of service-based business, if you're a coach, if you're a service, service provider, what have you, you know that if you take a lot of pride in your work, if you really care about the success of your clients, and if you're really invested in their goals, their businesses, their dreams, it feels very vulnerable to engage in a relationship like that. And I think that's why a lot of coaches in the space over time kind of build walls and they allow less and less access to them. They're less and less involved in their coaching programs because it is intensely vulnerable to be accessible to people. It's intensely vulnerable to like wear your heart on your sleeve that way and it's intensely vulnerable to give people the power to hurt you honestly because there have been times where a client has completely shocked me with their behavior or completely shocked me with a contract violation or done things that felt like betrayal for example And I can't necessarily give details on those things, but that hurts. And when those situations happen, it really does feel very personal and it feels like heartbreak because I care so deeply for my clients, especially the ones that I work closely with. And so if you're going to be in a coaching space, if you're going to have coaching as part of your business, You have to be prepared that sometimes you're going to get your feelings hurt. And so in coaching especially, it's this delicate balance of caring really deeply about your clients and like wanting the best for them and wanting them to see amazing results and wanting them to be happy. But you also have to maintain a level of neutrality and objectivity and honestly detachment from exactly how that looks. And you can't take responsibility for how they show up. You can't take responsibility for their actions. You cannot take responsibility for their emotional intelligence or their communication skills. You can do so much to give them everything that they need. But until you've been through experiences where that vulnerability has been exposed you won't truly get the need for that kind of level of detachment. And being a really good coach does not necessarily mean that you are best friends with all of your clients. Of course, are there situations where I do develop really great friendships with my clients and we talk about life and I know them on a very personal level and I know about their relationship and their hobbies and their personal life and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That happens. But even then they're my client first. And that is honestly the ha- the way that it has to be. And this year has been a big lesson about caring deeply and vulnerability within the coaching and like coach client dynamic. And so that vulnerability is a gift and a lesson And it's also taught me to have my own back, really anchor into what is true for me, what's objectively true, and have really strong 
actual boundaries as well as emotional boundaries within my different coaching programs. I'm now very, very selective over who I accept as, for example, a private coaching client because those are the clients that have the highest level of access to me. Those are the clients that I see one-on-one the most. Those are the people who have a direct line (laughs) to me every day, right? So it's just, if anything, made me appreciate those like soulmate clients so, so much more and just tighten up my expectations, my vetting process and my boundaries around who gets to have access to me. So it's totally okay if there are times where being a coach hurts your feelings, honestly, that's kind of the name of the game, the nature of a coach-client relationship is that it's vulnerable and vulnerability means that you're making it a possibility for you to get your feelings hurt and that's okay. Now for lesson number eight, let's get out of our feels. (laughs) Let's do something a little more tangible, a little bit more action-oriented. Um, And lesson number eight is that you're never above doing the basics consistently and doing them well. I'm now at a point where my business has gotten increasingly sophisticated. We have seven figures in annual revenue. We have hundreds of clients every year, like amazing systems, amazing team, so many cool things in place. And the business is advanced, you know? But this past year, there were things that just, again, we kind of were reminded of the hard way where we realized that the basics slipped and that impacted our big picture results. The basics, the things that you are like required to do when you're legit just starting out, never go away. They never, ever stop being important, whether that is showing up consistently and providing value and pitching in your content, or whether that is following up with your leads, or whether that is planning ahead for your launches, no matter how many times you've launched. Like there are things that feel obvious. And I think once you get deep enough into business, you start taking for granted and you just assume that like, oh, I've done this so many times that I I can like cut corners here. I can cut corners there, but it'll come back to bite you. <laughs> I promise it will come back to bite you. And those are actually some places that I caught myself slipping. I got a little cocky, not cocky, but I just got a little complacent where I was like, okay, well, I've posted 6,000 times on Instagram, so if I only post twice this week, it's totally fine. But if you do that too often, and if you let yourself get complacent too much, and you kill your momentum, it will come back to you. And you are never above doing the basics consistently and doing them well. And what do you know? The basics, whatever that means for you, are a huge part of your momentum. Like the basics I would say are 80% of your momentum anyway. And so you need to look at the places where, what does it mean to be consistent? Where am I not being consistent? And where am I being maybe a little lazy, a little complacent, cutting corners on those fundamental basic things that you know get you the best results. And 
whether it's complacency or it's even like trying to get too fancy because it feels cool, it just doesn't serve you. It's not going to get you the best results. And sometimes overcomplicating things is just as bad as doing them poorly or not doing them enough. All right, we are in the home stretch. We are on lesson number nine, and that is making faster decisions and just in general, moving faster. If you have an idea, executing it. If you know that something needs to change, change it now. If you have a decision between option A or option B, picking one quickly and running with it because there were times in the last year that I sat on a decision for far too long and I wasted so much time, so much energy, so much mental energy hemming and hawing and weighing the options or thinking about what the potential would be of this one and then this one and just overanalyzing my decisions to death where it would have served me so much more to simply make a decision, get feedback, see how it goes and course correct if needed, but ideally it works and we run with it, right? This kind of ties into the experiment thing, treating things as an experiment and like taking a little of the pressure off. Like I'm open to my decision being wrong at this point, but I'm going to make a decision. I am going to make a decision because not choosing is still choosing something, right? That's choosing to just stay stuck. So I'm going to choose something and see what happens. And if I need to go back and make a different decision, I will. But making a decision needs to happen quickly because the longer you sit on stuff and the longer that you hem and haw or the longer you let something that's not serving you stick around, the more you are sacrificing results or hitting your goals or progress, that is a cost. Like sitting on a decision costs you precious time, precious momentum, precious opportunities. And so for example, one place where I've historically done this is if someone on my team is underperforming, they're maybe not hitting the mark, they are making too many mistakes, and now I totally understand that everyone's human and no one's perfect, and that's totally fine. But let's say there's a pattern where someone has made too many mistakes, and we've you know had conversations, we've put processes into place, whatever it is, we've taken the proper course corrections already, and it's not working. They're still making mistakes, they're still costing the business money, they're still hurting the client experience, whatever it might be. That person needs to be let go as soon as you know that it's not a fit. And you need to make that decision quickly and make that decision based off what you see now. Not the type of team member they were six months ago or a year ago. Not the type of team member that you think they could be if they like got it together, right? Making a decision based on what you have in front of you right now or in the immediate past and what you need for the immediate future, making that decision quickly, hiring quickly, firing quickly, pivoting quickly, committing quickly, making decisions because it just kills your momentum. Notice how these are all kind of related. It kills your momentum to sit on something, 
It kills your momentum to not choose. It kills your momentum to be in this analysis paralysis. So decide and get feedback. And maybe you have to decide something else in the future, but at least you got moving. And that brings us to number 10, which is that every time you say no to something that doesn't serve you, you're making space for something that does serve you. This one is especially relevant to my people pleasers or my people who do things because they feel like they should or out of obligation. Every time you say yes to something that isn't aligned, every time you say yes to something because you think you should do it, not because you actually want to, every time you say yes to something that doesn't actually get you closer to your goals, you're saying no to something that would get you closer to your goals or would serve you or would feel aligned because we only have so much energy. We only have so much time. We only have so much bandwidth to commit to different things. And so if you are using that bandwidth to commit to things out of obligation or out of fear or scarcity, that's a problem. And why I say fear or scarcity is there have been times where especially earlier in my business, not as much now, but there have been times where I would accept a client that I knew wasn't the great fit. They weren't, they weren't really my ideal client. And I would accept them because I knew I could help them and I could get them the results they wanted. And let's be honest, I wanted the contract. I wanted the money. And then I would work with that client and I wouldn't be excited to show up for them. And it would just not overall be the best experience that it could be. And because I said yes to that client, that space couldn't go to someone else who I would love working with and who I'd be obsessed with and who they would be obsessed with me. And so because I said yes to the kind of meh client, I said no to filling that space with someone who I would want to work with more. And I see this a lot with committing to personal life stuff, like committing to going to stuff that you don't want to go to or committing to spending your money a certain way that you don't actually value. And so in this past year, I have gotten, I don't want to say ruthless because that has kind of like a negative connotation of like hurting other people, but I've gotten very, I guess, unapologetic about saying no to stuff, about turning down opportunities, about not accepting podcast interview requests or not going to people's events or not doing certain opportunities, which could they benefit me? Maybe. Yeah. But ultimately I don't value them and I'm not going to have a good time and it doesn't get me more of what I want. And so I have really dialed in my values, my boundaries, my priorities, and I have gotten really good at saying no to the stuff that isn't aligned to make space for the stuff that is aligned. And so I would really encourage you to practice that over the coming year. I promise it will change the game for you. And it's also as a bonus, a fun exercise in trusting that the best case scenario is coming your way, but sometimes you have to like hold the faith and hold the vision and trust that that's gonna happen And then say no to the thing in the middle to save space for the thing that you really want. And so it's a little bit, 
of an exercise in faith and like trusting the universe and trusting that what you truly desire is coming your way. But I have yet to have a situation where saying no or that's not quite it hasn't served me. Even right now with house shopping, we've seen a few different houses where like, you know, we we could be happy here. This this works. This is in our budget. It's in the right neighborhood. But, you know, it's a little small or we don't really like the kitchen or the street is just not great. We don't like the neighbors, right? There's something with it that it's just not quite it. And if I would say yes to the thing that's not what I actually want, I'm going to say effectively no to the perfect house, right? I'm going to give up the perfect house that's out there in order to get that shorter term satisfaction or to give myself the illusion of getting what I want, even though it's sacrificing some things that are really important to me. So that's lesson number 10 is that saying no to things that are not aligned makes room for the things that are. So those are my 10 biggest lessons in life and business from the past year. By the way, if you have not seen on my email list or on Instagram, I am holding a very short but epic birthday sale where my coaching programs are up to $2,800 off to celebrate turning 28. So for details on that, head over to my Instagram at Marie E. Wold. I may or may not have spots available in the sale by the time this airs, but it definitely doesn't hurt to inquire and see how I can help you reach your biggest business goals in 2023. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. And until next time, keep making bank.